Man, two weeks in a row, you guys are dead on. Yeah, we might be musicians after all. <laughs> or we might be on the same Wi-Fi. Mm. Yeah. So nobody knows know. where Nick and nobody. I are right now. But Did I give it away? We're in the same place, but not in the same place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Could you be any more cryptic about it? It is nice that we're in the same place because I can keep tabs on Nick and I know and I know where he's at. So he <laughs> he gets to things on time because I'm able to say, "Hey, come on, like get to dinner, <laughs> get to breakfast on time." Look at him yeah. smiling. Get to breakfast on time. That's the most important thing. I woke up this morning and Nick was up and he's like, "Hey, what's up? Can't sleep." And it was like seven a.m. I was like, "When's the last time?" You could be an early bird, but you just could. you get your best work done at night. <laughs> I do. I like getting up early, but the double-edged sword is I love staying up late because that's when my brain is on. Because in the morning, I'm awake, but I'm not really present. Yeah. So I usually work out, have coffee, like do the monotonous, brainless stuff, and then try to get on with the day. But I don't know. You can't really be an early bird and a night owl at the same time for too long. It doesn't work. Are you yeah. one of those people that needs coffee? Really? Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get headaches. I Do don't. you really? Yeah. Yeah, Bad. I've I've become a coffee junkie also. I've I've been thinking a lot recently for whatever reason about like what would my like the millennial in me is like trying to plan my perfect life, you know, and like uh not working for the man and like all these things, but the thing that I keep coming back to is like, what would be my um, ideal schedule? Mm. And I really feel like doing no work from like 8 a.m. to like 11 a.m. is pretty ideal for me. Like if I could wake yeah. up at like 8 or 9, go to the gym first thing and just like knock that stuff out. Because I'm, yep. I'm the same way. Like my brain doesn't turn on. Like when i working from home right now, I basically just like, wake up, take a shower, and then immediately I'm at my computer while my breakfast is cooking and my coffee is going and stuff. So like the first like two or three hours of my day is spent with like my brain warming up. Do you like that? I mean, you've been home. Do you like that that vibe, the coffee and the breakfast while you're booting up? (sighs) Not really. I mean, like I like the working from home vibe, you know, um, but like the working from home, but still working on the office schedule is kind of a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Like I get it when you're at the office and everyone has to come in. It makes sense to like kind of make people all be there at the same time, but doing it from home, but you're still like clocking in, but there's no one really to know like if you're there or not, except for, you know, like on IM and stuff. It's just weird. Um, so like there's a lot of, a lot of days where I wake up and I'm like, I just really feel like I should go to the gym right now before I get mm-hmm. into like my work stuff, but I can't necessarily because it would look strange if I didn't get online until 11. Even if I worked until 7 or 8, like the optics of it wouldn't be great. So, well, yeah. Nick and I talk about this all the time with I think we're always it seems like our schedules are always adapting to obviously very different right now, but like even when we're kind of full swing touring and writing, we're trying to keep track of each other's schedules because then really if you think about it, other than like rehearsal with the band and, you know, with you guys, Jake and 
we're right. really the only ones that in our quote unquote business that work together every day. And it's always been this funny thing where um as laid back as Nick is about a lot of things, he does like to have I feel like I'm going to say way too much about you and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. But he does like to know like... What's new? Yeah, what's everyone's relation to this project and you know, what's your schedule like? How is that going to fit into this thing we're working on? So he's mm-hmm. always been like... He's always been asking me for kind of a schedule even if it's rough and I have never, ever, ever given it to him. Ever. <laughs> like basically since 2011 when we started... 2012 when we started touring he's always kind of been like i just i want to know what you're doing so that we can maximize our efficiency and and he's never been that's exactly how i say it too word for word (laughs) i really want to optimize our workflow here everything you're doing i need to the spreadsheets are endless just i have them coming out of my it's more like dude what are you even doing today i haven't seen are you Alive still. That's. I think that's how it started, bro. But I feel like we kind of settled into our roles because I've. I'm very much not a planner, and I'm more of the visionary. So, like seeing things in into the future, I can do that well. But I can't Mm -hmm. necessarily like getting shit done. You're definitely the get shit done guy, and I feel like Jake. I feel like you're more of like you're able to kind of create steps to get stuff accomplished. Well, and I kind of feel like I float like out in this mm. realm of like I can kind of see everything as a in the full scope of things, but sometimes mm-hmm. as far as like getting it done, I lose track of time pretty easily, mm-hmm. and my brain is, tends to kind of yeah be out in the out in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's the weird thing about the three of us is that Jake is almost like a hybrid between the two of us. You know what I mean? He. It seems like, man, I'm really talking about you guys a lot. You can stop me at any Dude, time. Dude, go. But it's, I love I, I love, this is going to sound weird, but I always think it's getting assessed. Kind of, yeah. Like, I always <laughs> think it's interesting to see how other people perceive, like, not in a conceited way, but how other people, like, perceive my personality. Right. Like, when people say, like, you seem like the kind of person that would, I always ask, mm-hmm. what is that? Like, what do you mean by that? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Well, so what I'm saying is I think Jake is the kind of person that hammers out tasks, but he also likes to have the scope and the idea of the... He likes to see all angles of what he's working on, whereas Nick is a big picture guy, like zoomed out on the globe type thing, and I'm way zoomed in just doing the day-to-day tasks, so... I think the reason why we've been able to be friends for as long as we have is because none of us are trying to step on each other's toes, even at like a very base subconscious level of like, this is your strength and we've never really talked about it. Well, until right now, I guess apparently, (laughs) but we've never really talked about it, but this is what you're good at and this is what I'm good at and this is just what Nick is naturally good at. It's just a thing that has kind of kept us together is we don't we don't piss each other off at all really mm. because we're able to kind of fall into our that's where Nick and I have you know especially working together every day we talk about is um how much we know how to navigate each other's buttons and try to obviously we 
push them just because we can sometimes. But you guys you know, are brothers a, after all. <laughs> but yeah, we purposely it, piss each other off sometimes if it's yeah. been a long day. But just if it comes time. down to it, we know how not to. And I really right. think, I mean, I don't want to get all sentimental now, especially we're speaking in public and I'd never say this to your face, but I really think we've kind of got a rhythm down lately where, I mean, there's still those times where we make each other frustrated or whatever, but we're also respecting each other's ways a little bit more. And I think that f- from the beginning of when we started working together, I'm definitely like 500% less lazy and I think you're 500% more laid back. So we've kind, oh, of, absolutely. We've kind of met in this. If there's mm. this image I have, I always remember in when we lived together in Omaha, Nick and I, um, we, were work, we had an office in the house we were in. And he was working full-time, booking everything else for Talbot Brothers. And then I was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car part-time, like 30 hours a week. So that they do that, so that you don't get don't health get benefits. benefits. Yeah, yeah can't be thirty. <laughs> Barely part time, thirty nine hours a week. <laughs> yeah, just enough to be enough work where you're super tired, but where you don't get any of the benefits. Anyway, we our office was kind of the picture of our working relationship. Nick's desk was like, you know, not like anally organized, but set shit everywhere. It was set <laughs> for he knew where everything was and it looked really mm-hmm. good. And then my desk was like a homemade, I actually found the desk in a dump and tore the top off <laughs> and then fastened it to a new piece of plywood that was not treated at all. So, you know, like drink stains. Did we spray paint it? I'm pretty sure we spray yeah, painted it black. I think you're right. I think we did. And then that was like right before we threw it out. But um, mm. my desk was just basically books and pens and markers and my marker board basically had I think like an inspirational quote on it from the office you know that Michael mm-hmm. Scott like 100% of the yeah. shots you know <laughs> Wayne and, Gretzky, the, Michael and then Scott. Nick's was just like literally you know you know on the movies when the character realizes that they have like this superpower where they can see like high you know, like symbols and stuff on the walls. And yeah, that's what Nick's board looked like. And so I just couldn't read any of them. That was my superpower. <laughs> so that was basically like the image of how we were working together at the time. And I think it kind of balanced out. Like Nick let go a little bit and I hung on a little bit tighter. And I think, yeah, we but kinda, I think, yeah, I feel like it, we've realized it's about acceptance rather than change. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And I feel like once you get to that point, you kind of learn to let go of the things that you know you can't really do anything about. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty powerful, but it's also a pain in the ass because you feel frustrated during that transition. And we got to that point, but have you guys ever heard of uh, the four-hour work week by Wait, yeah. I You should let me to- interject. I want to say that's the sweetest thing you've ever said to me, brother. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad it's not on record. Go He's ahead, up trying floor. to change you. Yeah, I've heard of this book. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it, though. Have you read it? No, I've just read the summary. <laughs> so we can <laughs> so review it with, I know all without it. having read any of it. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I think there's kind of this movement right now, and I, it's probably not a new thing, but I'm noticing it now because I'm actually part of the workforce and we, I mean, we all are, but, um, Mm -hmm. 
I think there's forty this, hours a week minimum though. I mean, yeah, there's this thing yeah. like people can make a lot of money um, selling the idea of not having to live the nine to five job. Like you see, how yeah. many how many videos do you see on like Facebook of a guy like, here's my Lamborghini and I bought it yeah. only working thirty minutes a day, you know? And you're like, dude, I see those all the time. Yeah. You're like, he's doing, he's got something, some secret that I don't know. Um, Get rich quick. So the book could be really good. I just, I don't, I try not to read stuff like that anymore because I used to be like, it used to really mess me up, like knowing that there could be this like secret formula that I somehow don't have or that I am like unaware of. I spent, I spent a lot of time and a lot of energy actually um, and made myself basically like aggressively unhappy for a long time chasing Mm -hmm. ideas like that. So um no, it's easy to get caught in it. The the thing that stuck out to me when I read the summary was it talked about the 80-20 rule. And it's like, I think it's 80% of the results come from 20% of effort. And I struggle with that because I feel like coming from the Midwest, we've learned that blue collar mentality of like putting our nose to the grindstone and seeing the work come from that labor. Mm-hmm. So I, I have this, this like weird dichotomy of this creative half of my brain that says, I don't need structure. I don't need to rack a certain number of hours up. I don't have to fit to a nine to five mm. and I can just like be free. And then the other side of me struggles with like the logistical side, like, did I actually work enough or am I just like trying to say I've mm-hmm. clocked this many hours or right. try to reach like my 10,000 hours or, yeah, you know, like the struggle of trying to figure out where that comes from. Like who put that there? Why do I believe that? What's, what's driving me to actually feel like I need to clock 40 hours a week. If Mm -hmm. I write a song in two hours, then shouldn't I feel the same about how I accomplished that versus how I would do something else that took me 40 hours. How many people have told us the best songs come out of that quick turnaround you know, like your hit song is going to be the one you write in a one day, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's some songs that we have that we keep on the back burner for like months, sometimes yeah. years, you know. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and then they end up doing well. But I think there's something to that. Like it's definitely about the quality of work that you're doing. And I Agreed. guess that was one of the things I was going to ask Jake, you know, about kind of your routine that you've had to have do you think you could legitimately benefit from like i know that you're also a guy that likes his nights you know mm-hmm. like you like to be able to unwind yeah. and, and do whatever Clock go out, out to eat go yeah but do you think it would benefit you to adjust to like a 9 a.m start or a 10 a.m start and end at seven or eight or even a shorter time span? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what I'm working on, to be honest. Like, I mean, I don't want to draw any conclusions about other folks, but I've noticed a lot of um, just like waste in general of in terms of time in like the corporate world. Um, being in the office, it's, it's, this is one of the reasons why I like being at home so much more is because there's not as many like office distractions that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm living in the sweet spot right now where I don't have kids. I don't have a dog. Like 
there's nothing at home that requires my attention except for the task at hand. Um, my girlfriend works when I'm at work. So like, I don't have anything else to do but work. And so I'm really, really able to just like really focus and zone in on something, um, with a high intensity for, um, you know, whereas at the office I would maybe be distracted and like have to get up and go to meetings and things. So seriously, any job that I've ever had that has been like blue collar, um, you know, like manual labor stuff is basically everything that I've done other than music. But there is literally, I can think back, f- probably four hours of the day or maybe just a little more where something productive is happening. Right. And the rest is like, um, you're basically just trying to find another gear or an energy to keep going at it, you know? And yeah. that's just that's just manual labor. So that's just basically how much can you physically do for yeah. for eight to nine hours of a full work day. But um to be mentally taxed for that's the nice part about manual labor jobs. And I know some people that have them would probably disagree, but for me a manual labor job is almost ideal if I can't do music all day. Um, mm. For example, when if there was like a pandemic or something that happened, you know, <laughs> I, to make <laughs> ends meet, yeah, um, I can retain and output a lot of thoughts and right. ideas during that time in my headphones or whatever, and then that helps a lot. But really, honestly, if I there's like spurts of time when I'm working those jobs in the past, especially when I've done it, where it's like something is getting done and the rest is basically trying to convince myself to keep going. And I don't know if anything like really good happens or if it's just like a ton of small things that maybe add into the whole day. But I totally get that. And I, I totally need the routine. I know we I mean, we started talking about this 20 minutes ago, but I need the coffee yeah, and the, you know, pop the vitamins in and eat something, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. good. And it just has to, if I don't do that, there has never been a day where I haven't had that routine in the morning and then been productive. It's, it's very right. minimal things are exhausting if I don't get that first like yeah. the routine and like Nick and I since we've been together close by we've been running and biking and that's absolutely crucial to the schedule too because it's like that's the one time where it's just you're it feels like it's the only time in your day where it's all about you you know mm-hmm. you're like I'm doing this for me for my health for my mental health and it and it feels good to push yourself and you know you could say okay well the benefits of me taking care of myself trickle into family and friends and my whole life experience. But really that's, you know, Jake, I remember you said one time you were like, you run without headphones, you psychopath. (laughs) And I, and I, I honestly, if I didn't have my headphones in all day when we were driving, like when we were on tour or, um, even, even when I'm home, whatever, I, I'm always, consuming information and Mm -hmm. i don't think you do 
Do you? I think when you work, yeah, I think when you work, you're pretty focused. Yeah, I have a hard, I have a hard time listening to anything. Like if I, I mean, again, it depends on the task. Like if I'm doing any sort of like word processing, like I'm writing, writing something or I have to read anything, I can't have any music. I can't have any words. Like mostly because I'm an idiot and I never learned how to read. So I have to like focus 100% of my attention on words. Um, If I'm doing CAD or like doing a lot of like design stuff and I just need to kind of be in the groove, then I can listen to music. Um, But I can't, I really can't listen to podcasts while I work. Um, Yeah. It's too, too much like, take in information. I end up just like checking out and it's background noise. I do too. Um, I do too. But when I listen to music, it's like keeps my brain moving. And I have mm-hmm. this I have this funny thing where like I've never been able to listen to like soothing music when I'm trying to work. Like when I was in college um, doing like like studying like these long ass like five or six page math problems or whatever. Like most people when they're studying, they're listening to like classical music or like the, oh, yeah. ch- the chill vibes music or whatever. I'm listening to like super aggressive like acid jazz or like <laughs> screamo or like animals <laughs> as leaders, like super just like I feel like it keeps my well, for one, I really enjoy those styles of music for different reasons. Um, but I feel like it keeps my brain moving because otherwise if it's too like lethargic and melancholic I find myself like I I attach Lowly. myself to the music that I'm listening to in a lot of ways so if it's mm-hmm. like very um, kind of feels apathetic then that's kind of the style that my work will take but if it's like you know to the point and aggressive and like keeps moving then I feel like it keeps me on track so um, yeah but f- I struggle with that too man like having that thing happen in the background while you're trying to read or just anything that requires that part of your brain. I right. don't know what that, like, is that a condition that some people have? Because I know people can go into like a Starbucks and work and the mm-hmm. music is blaring. Then they have their earbuds in and then they're like reading a book. Mm-hmm. I can't and I'm like, do that. bro, I can't. No, I can't remember I used I used to try to study at the coffee shops in college and like I was far too distracted. Like there's too many, there's too much stuff going on. Like coffee shops are actually not that chill of an environment because there's like no. machines going off and there's people and like oh, yeah. all this stuff going on. And if you don't have good headphones, you're like subject to all of that that's going on. Well, um, a lot of the places Nick and I have been on the road, I mean, Starbucks is like, it's a staple because one, we get coffee. We There's usually decent the food, app. like the yeah, egg you bites, mm. you know, it's yeah. so good. But it's like Wi-Fi is free, you know, so we do a lot of work from there, but it is not a cool environment. It is very like, you know, usually there's a lot of homeless people that go there because that's like if they have a phone or if they acquired a phone somehow, they're able to charge it and or Mm -hmm. connect on Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, I remember this one Starbucks that I tried to go to out in Oregon for... You know, I tried to go there like three times a week just to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this guy that came in every night, um, made a big ruckus, you know, shouted and, and you know, sometimes didn't order anything, just a nuisance. And then he would plug in on the wall and then mm-hmm. just sit on his phone for like the whole three hours that I was there. And yeah, 
you know, it's I I get what they're trying to do for like just the normal uh, workhorse person, and we're it's a place where you can go. And I see a lot. I saw a lot of like meetings there. You know, like. Mm. Um, job interviews, just just sitting back in a coffee shop, I feel like yeah. you really see everything yeah, from people watch. Yes, and you know it was always like one person who nabbed like the best spot, and it was yeah. like a six person spot with all the chargers, and it was always and like all their shit spread out why on the are table you they, right there. Yeah, that's Jake. That was me yeah. in college, dude, because I I would have tech uh, textbooks and like multiple pages oh, yeah. of paper, in my computer, like I. When I was studying, it was it was an ordeal, right? I had a yeah. lot. I took up a lot of surface area for my work. So yeah, that was <laughs> a like what you see on the movies. They have the spread. Yeah, that's a yeah. little different. I'm I would have to get about, there right when it opened and be there all yeah. day. Like leave my stuff there if I had to leave for some reason and come back and like hope no one stole it or anything. Yeah, I was. I'm thinking about the person that has is like reading a book, like Nick. You said uh, with their ear, headphones in, and it's like. I just want to like rip my chest open when I see that person because I'm like, how are you, even if it's just instrumental, mm. how are you even processing mm-hmm. what you're taking? And I, that's what I'm saying. I think some people need a lot of that stimulation though. You know, it's like extrovert, introvert type thing where if you just gather your energy from your surroundings, I feel like those people thrive in that environment where they constantly need that hustle and bustle of everything happening and people walking in all the time. But if you're a person that kind of finds your energy and like gets filled up from having quiet, I think that can kind of wear on you a lot faster. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, what would you say you guys are like, do you feel like you're like, how do you recharge? Do you prefer to be more in like a quiet environment or do you feel like you, you know, like go to a bar like what's the, I mean, Anytime I'm doing something brain intensive, I cannot have even speaking around me. It just, <laughs> yeah, you know, if, it, if it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing, then it's a distraction for me. I think it's because I'm a person that's just like always trying to people watch and observer, observe. And like, that's what I was saying about like a blue collar job that is, or is manual labor blue collar job is like, um, I can check out mentally from what I'm doing because it's a, it's a task that only requires physical attention where I can be mentally, I could be anywhere, you know, but if I'm working on music or if I'm writing just to write, I cannot, Starbucks is really like, well, just talking about it, the way we've been talking about it is giving me like a minor anxiety, <laughs> just thinking about yeah. how, how stressful the environment is. But I love it because I want to be able to be like, if I'm writing without music in mind, like just words or thoughts and stuff, it's almost beneficial to be around all these different walks of life. And mm. I can almost benefit from it in a way, you know, just feel attached to what's going on around me. But um, if I'm like legitimately working on a specific song or an idea that has already taken root with me, I have to be secluded or I mean, or with Nick, because I trust him to be able to let me 
and I'm sure he does the same, let me work on it organically, like, you know, just shut up for a second, you know? Mm. So, and I try to do the same thing, just shut up when he's working so that you can kind of let that thought unwind and take place. But I, I've never, even before music, I was never a person that was like in my studies and stuff in college. I was never like, just throw some music on in the background. I, well, I being a musician, I feel like it's hard. Like, I don't know if you guys experienced that, but mm-hmm. I engage too much with what's happening, whether it's the rhythm or the lyrics or mm-hmm. the guitar. And then I start to just kind of zone into that and completely forget what I'm doing. Well, it's like that thing we talk about at shows. Like you can, as a musician, you will never fully enjoy a show ever again. Right. Because oh, yeah, you, it's just an assessment yes, the whole you're, time. You're just studying everything that's happening. And then all you want to do like an hour into it is go home and play. Because right. you're like, okay, I got to get better than that guy. Yeah, you're you all know? jazzed up. I feel like yeah. when we were all on the rock boat, you know, like oh. when we played that festival, we, the three of us especially would always love watching stuff from backstage and like seeing the show from that perspective or from side stage. And I feel like it just kind of gave you the ability to like look at it from that point of view and feel like you were engaging, but you were also able to still be a little bit where you're comfortable. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a, that was a really interesting and exciting experience because it was almost like any festival you've ever played as a musician, but then on top of it, there was no sense of backstage or, um, I don't, I don't, I know I slept every night, (laughs) but I don't remember sleeping. I don't remember getting ready for bed or going to bed. It was just like. It and it's such an exciting experience, and it's like so cool to be able to be that close to the fans and people that love music. And everybody on there is just nuts about music, you know. Like, they're the kind of people you get Facebook friends with them, and they post just band after band, and it's Mm. always about music, and it's super cool. But it's also like a completely different experience than anything we've had because, you know, we're used to doing these shows where we um, we get in, we sound check, no one's there, completely quiet. We get we get dialed in, you mm. know, but on and then on the rock boat, your experience with sound check is basically uh, like over 300 people enjoying themselves. A line check. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So for everyone who doesn't know, the rock boat is a week-long cruise like on a ship, but is also Mm -hmm. a music festival. So like a bunch of rooms are turned into like stages and there's a bunch of stages and like all day, every day there's bands playing and then you're also on this Mm -hmm. ship. So like the bands are on the cruise with you. So every time you're uh, doing sound check or whatever, sound check is like an observable event for everyone because there's no doors timed or anything. Like everyone is is just there all the time. (laughs) And And for an introvert, it's it's hard, Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's a, an almost a thing that as a musician you have to kind of prepare yourself for mentally. And I don't know. I think we went into it knowing it was going to be wild, but I don't think we really knew how different it was going to be than any of the... I mean, there's been sound checks we've had before where there's like, you know, 30, 
40 people mm. that are well, in it's the more room. than just the sound check it's you know you're going to eat breakfast or lunch or dinner and, and you're you talking to people and yep. there's an artist you know a hospitality room but you have you you have this mentality where you're always on and so the week like especially your first year doing it like you're just trying to get your bearings and i feel like half the battle is just figuring out how it's supposed to feel mm. and so it can be a challenge but i don't know i feel like what did you guys feel were you like did you get to the end of the week and feel like man this was amazing can't wait to get back or were you like dude i just like need a break because we so, won't we started our tour right after that too so when i when i first got off the boat i was like you know like this was like the first time i took a breath and i was worn out but then like a week later, I was like, holy cow, that was amazing. You know, like it was, it was basically like being on a high for four or five days where you just constantly getting that dopamine rush of like um, playing music. And then if you're not playing music, you're watching music. And if you're not watching music, you're having a drink and you're outside looking at the ocean. And it was just like, it was never a time where you just like went back to the room and was like, hey, you want to watch uh, Breaking Bad, you know? That right. didn't happen. Anytime I slept, I felt like it was because I could not continue anymore and I crashed, you know? There were some people I hung out with on the boat that I would see at, you know, after a show at like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. We'd have some drinks, we'd hang out, and then I would go to sleep and then I'd see them at breakfast and they would be like, I haven't slept yet. And oh, like, yeah. Uh, how are you? <laughs> you know? How did you feel, Jake? Were you like, were you, I felt, I mean, be honest, were you like ready to just jump off? No, I'm kidding. No, I mean, Not like, I kind of always, by the end of any sort of um, like trip like that, by the end of it, I kind of see the end and I'm ready for, you know, the being able to just sleep in my own bed. That's my biggest thing. Like, sleeping in a foreign yeah. place is. Um, exhausting to me for whatever reason. Um, so like I, I never really you don't rest. I never really, yeah. And honestly, I never really rest. And especially when you're floating, yeah, and <laughs> on the ocean. That was the other thing was just being around so many people like that. And like there was obviously like the the boat would stop a couple days and we could get off at like these interesting places. But even those places are filled with because they're cruise yeah. stop destinations. So it's just constantly filled with right. people. And I'm very much like, I don't, I don't really subscribe to like the introvert extrovert thing. Like I think some people put a lot of um, weight in their identity in that, but I definitely don't recharge around strangers, right? Mm -hmm. So like I can definitely recharge around other people if they're people that are close to me or people that I really care about and and uh, get along with Let really well. Down. Yeah, but like just like strangers being on a boat with five thousand or however many people were there. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. But it was uh, very uh, taxing to me emotionally in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. It it kind of gets to the point where you, yeah, you definitely your meter is full. I got food poisoning right after we started our tour, and I was sick for like three days, and, uh, and yeah. uh, it was pretty bad. It was, I think, a combination of the stress from everything and just like never resting and mm. it caught up with me so you got the when boat you get to flu. that point yeah well they call that the boat cred or, or you know, boat something. cred that's yeah that's right that's just an excuse for like you probably drank too much for too many days and didn't <laughs> sleep 
No water. Well, it, it no definitely uh, does not help your immune system to drink. It's no. like terrible, especially if you're not sleeping. Drinking, not sleeping, and then being around a ton of people are like the three yes. worst things you can do for your immune system. So like, mm-hmm. it doesn't Absolutely. surprise me that a lot of people get sick off mm-hmm. coming off something like that. But oh yeah, um, it's interesting to think about how you get to a to that place too where you kind of know that's coming. Like, you know, that crash is coming no matter what it is. Like if you're, you're, you know, you're at work or you got projects that you're working on and you feel like you get to a point where you just know it's going to come and, and you try to keep up with that routine of like, Oh, I need to exercise or, mm. you know, or you, or you're eating out all week because you're super busy and then that takes a toll on your body. And it's like, like when you get out of your routine, it just never bodes well. Right. Do do you guys feel like there's times where you can just push yourself so far beyond it? Like maybe you have that moment in your work where you're like, this is, say it's, say it's Wednesday afternoon, you know, and you are just like, I've maxed out. Like this is, this is, I've been slamming all week, well, for three days and I'm worn out. Yeah, but if you go beyond that point and just push through it, do you feel like there's something that happens, like psychologically? I feel like there's something that happens to me psychologically where I stack and I stack all of these unfinished problems or unfinished projects or ideas that I didn't put down, and then it comes like. Friday afternoon and and I have like an anxiety attack because it's just like I didn't deal with any of this. I hammered away yeah. and I didn't like see anything to completion where I went to bed with like a thousand things on my mind rather than going to bed being like, all right, I'm going to deal with that tomorrow. Yeah. You know, or this is due Thursday, so I've got some time. This is due Monday next week. I've got some time. Right. I do that all the time. Yeah. I think um, when I'm just like really hammering away, I tend to lay awake at night, not thinking about the things that I didn't get done generally, um, but just thinking about the things that I normally would think about during the day that I didn't have time for, like non-work related things that I had to... I'm in a season right now where I'm just like unreasonably busy the last few days. So like... I think I sent you guys a Snapchat this morning, actually, of like <laughs> the thousand mile stare, and it's our only nine a.m. on a Wednesday. Like exactly, I have we have these seasons at work where it's like you just kind of grind for two weeks at a time, just because that's what is required of you, or that's what the project requires, and you know it's kind of just understood that that's what's going to happen, and. Because I'm so zoned in of at the task at hand all the time, like when I have these super busy weeks, I don't get the time that I would normally get during the day to have like casual thoughts, just the way that my brain works. And then so when it's time for me to go to bed, like Monday I worked 16 hours. I worked two days worth of work in one day. And then I was laying in bed. I got I finally got to bed at like midnight or 1.30 or something. And... I was so mentally exhausted and I was so ready for bed, but I could not fall asleep because oh, my mind was just racing from like 
I had I had gotten a lot of work stuff accomplished. So I wasn't like thinking about like, oh, I have to do all this tomorrow, X, Y, Z. Uh, I was just thinking about like random stuff that I normally would just be like fleeting thoughts to me during the day. But it's like my subconscious had saved them all up because mm-hmm. my brain works in such like a car- compartmentalized manner that like if I really need to be on, then that's I'm on and that's what I'm doing. And like I don't let myself think about or do anything else until uh, tasks are done. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I get, yeah, I mean, I just get drained. <laughs> that's your problem. It, it is a problem. Yeah, it's a real that's problem. a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> you should probably get that checked out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that reminds me of that, like from that Coldplay song, Fix You. Um, there's a line in there that's like, you feel so tired, but you can't sleep. It's, yeah. That happens to me constantly where it's like I'm so past the point of exhaustion that it's like even sleep is something that I feel like I have to do and right. I can't, <laughs> you know. And I, Or I'll like the weirdest thing is when I push myself all week and then I fall asleep on a Friday and then I get up at like 6 or 7 a.m. on a Saturday mm. because my brain's just like, Okay, we need to get to the doing nothing. Right. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. You need to take full advantage of your time off doing all the things you wanted to do. Get up, get up, boy. You gotta you gotta drink a mimosa and you gotta remember you gotta go run because you got the time now and you don't feel like you have to and you need to walk the dog and it's just like And then you take a five hour nap. And yeah, then it's done. <laughs> You're like, even on my day off, my brain's like, what's next? Dude, you know? yeah. speaking of routine, though, um, my Saturday routine is one of my favorite things. Like, I, what's your routine? I put just as got? much time into like my weekend routines as I do like being intentional <laughs> about my weekday routines, kind of for the same reason, Dude, like taking advantage of the awesome. time. But like, my favorite thing is, um, I like. I tend to wake up at the same time on Saturdays as I do during the week. But during the mm-hmm. week, I wake up at, you know, 7.30 or 8, and I'm, like, groggy, and I'm, like, not happy yep. about what I, you know, have to do for the day or whatever. But on Saturdays, I wake up at that time, and I'm, like, I'm up. I'm cooking breakfast. I'm, like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, getting ready to go to the gym first thing in the morning. Like, my Saturday routine is really the routine that I wish I had every day mm-hmm. where I could, like, do all the things that I want to do at the time that I want to do them. Cause I, t- I tend to work on like non work related projects on the weekends too. So I knock yeah. out like my gym stuff, all that in the morning and then work on, you know, like podcast stuff or music stuff or whatever, um, Saturday afternoons. So it's like a different kind of productivity schedule for me. Um, but I really, really enjoy it. <laughs> For more right brained than than left brained. Yeah, like, and I think something about something about being able to like dictate my own schedule on that day, like dictate my yeah. own routine. Because um, really, it's not all that different from what I'm normally doing. It's just that during the week, I feel like someone else has like thrust their expectations upon me. But on the weekend, it's like it's basically the same routine, but it's my. I'm doing it because that's what I want to do, you know? <laughs> Man, that's yeah. huge though. That's that's a battle for me figuring out how to balance that because, you know, picking up part-time work or, or just anything else when you're working for somebody else, I feel like there's that struggle of 
trying to find freedom and freedom for me equals contentment. And so I'm trying to find how to be content when I'm trying to do these other tasks or these other jobs where it's like, all right, I'm not calling the shots, but how can I still make this work for me? Like, what can I do that I still have power or feel like I have power or trick myself into feeling like I do? Because that's, I don't know, I think as a business owner, you, you have that sort of that bone in your body where you just don't like doing what people tell you to do. And I, Mm. I don't, I hate when people tell me what to do and no matter what it is, if it's work or, or not even related to work, I get into that, to that mood where I'm like, don't, just don't tell me what to do. I'm going to (laughs) do what I want. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's my way or the highway. It just means I need freedom in order to operate at my fullest potential. And so that's a battle for me. Because I, I have to put that to bed sometimes. Yeah, I have that same thing. And I really, in, in my job, the way that I have accomplished that is I'm very strict about like every day or most of the day, most of the days at a very similar time, like instead of like taking an hour to just sit around and eat lunch and fart around on my computer, like that's when I go to the gym. So I'm like very intentional about taking like this hour, hour and a half in the middle of my day like blocking it out and spending that time doing um, that to like reset and recharge for like the second half of my day. There are days where I I can't make it happen on that schedule just because like, you know, it's fine. Things come up, but like probably 99% of the time um, I'm very strict about like taking that time because like you said, it, it seems like the only thing I really have control over is like the one hour that we get for um, lunch and everyone is free to do whatever they want at that time. And a lot of people choose to work mm-hmm. out. So I'm not alone in that, but um, mm-hmm. like anytime like self-empowerment, right? Anytime people, you know, when we were working in the office, this doesn't happen anymore now, but people would ask like, Hey, you want to go to lunch or do you want to do, you know, this thing over lunch with us? I would tell them no. Because I want, I was, I'm going to the gym, you know, this is the thing that I'm choosing to do. Cause if I don't do it now, I'm going to do it later. And I'd rather spend the time later doing something else, like just vegging out. So Dude, that takes a lot of discipline. I feel like you guys feel like it's harder to do something with a group or do you feel like it's, it's easier to do that? Cause like thinking about if I was in that situation I feel like it would be hard to to be like, oh man, but like I could just go and eat and like hang out and then, yeah, I'll do it later. And then I know I wouldn't do it. Like I would trick myself into thinking that it would be okay. Yeah. But I know when I get home, I would be too tired. And it's just like in the morning, if I don't work out before noon, it's probably shot to hell. Right. (laughs) There's a 90% chance I'm not going to do it. I can't, I can't be very productive in groups when I'm, because I view time where I'm working out as a time for me. And mm. even, I mean, there's even times where I'm like, okay, this is a pretty selfish hour of time that I'm using right now because I'm doing it for me. But, but it's not, man. It's no, not. it isn't. It really isn't. And it's like, I get when people really thrive in a like a CrossFit gym or a, something where they're like yelling at each other and keeping each other motivated. <laughs> I get it. But even if I'm at the gym doing weight stuff, I, I've i never really been good at having someone 
be there to like. You don't like when people yell in your face while you're doing bench press. What's wrong with you? Yeah, dude. I, the uh, who, who does like that? The good gym partner is a very sacred bond, and it's really hard to find yeah. good ones. Like I, yeah. I have worked out by myself for the last three years. I think the last time I had like a consistent gym partner was probably three and a half or four years ago or longer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm the same way. Like this is a a time out of my day. I value my time more than I value basically anything. Like kind of to the point of insanity, but (laughs) like I, I view it as this is an hour and a half or an hour or whatever of time that I've carved out of my day to do something very specific. Like, I don't want to spend any of this time just, like, shooting the shit with you or, you know, like, teaching you really how to do things. Like, if you're not, like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound condescending, but, like, if you're not kind of, like, on my level of, like, going hard, being efficient, using your time, like, I don't think, Mm -hmm. that's not to say you have to, like, be on my level performance-wise, but at least mentally, like, taking it seriously and, like, understanding that mm-hmm. the time you're spending there is valuable, I can't do it. Right. And I, I I, get really, really upset at the gym, like, people watching. I, I've started to just, like, spend my time at the gym staring at the floor because I get mm-hmm. really bothered by people in there just, like, wasting time because it ends up wasting my time, really. They're using something that I need to use and they're just, like, farting around, flirting with girls or you know, doing whatever, I, I can't do it, but. Man, that's a pain. That that drives me insane too, like that level of incompetence or, or just when somebody is, when you clearly are seeing and witnessing it happen before you were, somebody's just sitting on the bench and they're on their phone and they're like just scrolling through Instagram and you're like just sitting there trying to do whatever you can to mm. do every other piece of machinery around them until yeah. they get the hint. That's like, bro, like I get we're paying the same amount of money for this membership, but I'm actually using my membership right, right now and right. you're just sitting on your phone. You know, it drives me crazy. Yeah. I can't stand it. I've, nev- I've just never been really the kind of person that can do anything just kind of casually, you know, whether it's work or it's like my hobbies or anything. Like I'm always like, I'm there. Like if I'm spending the time doing it, I'm going to spend the time and do it you know, do it well, do it as well as I can. And I just, I don't have any sort of, um, maybe this is like a, I don't know. I always view things as issues with myself, but maybe it's not, but I don't have any empathy for people that are just like casual about everything they do, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym and just kind of like move some weight around. I'll do a few minutes on the treadmill and call it good. Like that's, that's not me. And the same thing with work. Like when people, when I get the vibe that people are, uh, you know, when we were working in the office, people would like decide they wanted to take a break and they would come into my office, which I share with four other people to like shoot the breeze. That really bothers me because like I'm spending all of the amount of time that I'm at the office being turned on so that I can spend my hour at lunch at the gym and not feel guilty about it. Mm. You know, I'm just always 100% checked in to whatever I'm doing. And I I just, uh, I can't relate to people that aren't that way. Sometimes yeah, I wish like, I could, but I, I just, I have accepted the fact that I'm not wired that way. It's like the the Ron Swanson quote, you don't, you don't half-ass anything, you full-ass it. 
Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, we would, Tyler and I just had that conversation earlier today, actually, about whenever you're doing something, how I think there's a certain type of person that just puts 100% in no matter what. And for the sake of sounding conceited, I think that's what we decided we had to do when we started playing music was no, have no plan B mm. and just, you know, if you have a plan B, then you're probably going to end up doing your plan B. Right. You know, if you tell yourself, this is it, I have to find out a way to make it work, then you'll just find a way to make it work. And Mm -hmm. it kind of creates this stamina, but also this grit from just like failing, Mm. relentlessly failing until you figure out how to make it work. And I think it takes time, but dude, even talking about it in the gym, like, it's also about personal performance and just competition with yourself. Right. And like, I don't know if you got, do you guys feel like you're really competitive? Do you have that competitive edge with certain things, but with certain things you just could give a shit? Yeah. I mean, I used to be super competitive. I mean, I, you know, grew up playing sports, you know, in high school and that was a really big part of my life for a long time. And anymore it has just come, become like competition with myself. Like you said, um, but also to like an unhealthy degree competing with, you know, I spend way too much time uh, on Instagram and like comparing myself to other people. So like for the case of the gym, like I follow a lot of like super jacked dudes, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys follow like really attractive girls on Instagram. I, I don't really, I follow like super jacked dudes all the time <laughs> because <laughs> it's like what motivates me. Um, but then on the flip yeah. side of that coin, I'm like, um, always finding reasons to pick myself apart. So like my competition with myself has really become a lot of like, um, you know, finding flaws in myself all the time. But yeah, in the, mm. in the gym, um, that's always my goal is to like one up the previous session. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I get it's that. impossible for me to do really anything without comparing myself to, um, my fellow gorilla, you know, it's just, it's never going to be, I've accepted the fact that it's that way. And I think accepting it has made me relax on it a little bit because sometimes you just have to recognize that someone has, uh, more of a hold on a, on a skill or something than you do. You know, there's like, I'm not, I'm a singer who plays guitar Mm. But anytime I watch a really good guitar player, I'm like, oh man, like I need to just go home and just get really good at that. And and then when I go to think about it, in the team, in the band, that's not my job, you know, that's mm. Nick's job. So I, I suppose if you were like a solo artist or something, then you could have the excuse to pursue like all these different avenues. But I think all three of us have friends and mutual friends that um spin so many plates Mm -hmm. and then they never really excel at anything because you know they have so many passions and ideas and and like at the end of a 10-year period you're like yeah but what did you really do though (laughs) and like did you get good at any of it or did you just like learn a lot about all of it and you're still kind of, you know, Mm. like I love fishing and I think hunting is awesome, but I'm not a hunter. Like you, I couldn't call myself that by any means. And so, but I'm really interested in it. 
But I also have recognized that I don't, my time is not successfully spent pursuing all of these different avenues. It's better spent with, well, this sounds like communism, but it's not. (laughs) If I just focus really on what I'm good at, you know, then I will, that will be my benefit to the world, you know. And I'm not the kind of person that needs to hunt my food. Um, I'm... I'm perfect. I mean, the same amount of uh, beef is going to be put in the supermarkets every year, whether I hunt it myself mm-hmm. or I go go buy it. Um, I'm not. I'm not at that place in my life where. I mean, I feel like if I did hunt one, an elk or something like that, of course it'd be awesome to put that away and eat it. And but that's a whole nother like how many years worth of experience. I always talked about it. Like I was terrible at basketball in high school and, um, you know, on paper, I probably should have been pretty good cause I was skinny and taller <laughs> than most of my friends and, yeah. um, you know, but I wasn't one of those kids that just went out since I was 10, um, after school and shot hoops until the sun went down and just had like my free throws down pat and, I never did that. When I was younger, I played cops and robbers on bicycles Mm -hmm. and I played with Legos and there was always something like that. I wasn't doing anything like athletically related, you know? Well, do you think that's your passion? Like, do you think that like that's early stages of discovering what you're actually passionate about? Yeah. And I think as, you know, I think as men, especially we start to sort of feel like we have to be good at these things you know, mm. like if there was an apocalypse, I would need to be able to like fish or hunt or provide, you know, in a way we have this mentality, but that's also not realistic mentality. Right. You know, it's kind of more beneficial for you to be focusing on how the way the world is right now, um, being able to excel and, and provide in a different way. You know, it's not um, 500 years ago. So now we can go to the store and buy our groceries and, you know, your contribution to that is making, whether you're a man or a woman, making enough to be able to go and buy stuff at the store, you know, mm-hmm. and anybody that's holding on to hunting as a way of life or something, I think they see it very like primally, like instinctually. And I do too. I mean, anytime I go hunt, with my my brother-in-law who's really good at it and has a ton of knowledge about it when i'm with him i'm i am learning every single second you know like i'm mm-hmm. not in my arena at all and it's you know i don't even know how i feel about hunting just going though just really does this thing to my brain where i'm like okay i think as a man i think as a person i'm supposed to be able to do this but I don't know if it's absolutely necessary right now. Right. You know, I th- we have surpassed, and this all goes back to competition. It's like, if that guy's really good at it, I follow guys on Instagram that are like bow hunters, and it's like, this dude camps up in a tree for hours and gets his elk or his deer, and then he feeds, he feeds his family off of it. I'm like, okay, I got to be good at that too, right? Because that dude could probably pick up the guitar and get good at it. And then if he did that, then I would be behind <laughs> him in a way. In some way, know? yeah. 
comparison is I don't the like thief that of feeling. joy, my friend. Yeah, I don't know. I've I'm only I'm turning 25 this year, um, so I'm still young. But I've had to be really careful, especially recently, um, about like telling myself that my sort of like exploration phase of my life is over. Because mm. if I'm not care, I'm the kind of person that loves learning new things, and I have <laughs> always been able to like pretty quickly get to a pretty decent level of competency at any skill um, that I've mm-hmm. picked up. And it's kind of yep. it's kind of like a drug for me because like that first like when you first start learning something, I feel like you see a lot of progress right away, and it's kind of addicting. Right. So like to keep chasing these like new things all the time and get this like ramp up every time, it, it's fun. But I've had to be really careful just because of how much I value my time to be like, you know, I've spent like three hours researching this hobby that. And then in the back of my my mind, I'm just like, I don't need another super expensive hobby, you know? Yeah. Like I, I've done the same thing. Like I, I look into like, yeah, I should probably like buy a gun and like get really good at shooting gun or like mm-hmm. uh, really get into like shooting a bow. Cause I think that I, I genuinely feel like that's a really interesting thing. And I feel like so people cool. that do it really well are awesome, you know, but the amount of time I would have to spend to do that to the level that I would want to do it would severely eat away at all these other things that I'm really passionate about. So I've had to like make a conscious decision recently in my life within the last like two years, I think that like the top three things that I'm willing to spend time and money on are like my career, obviously, because it like allows me to live my life. But then like music and fitness are like my three things that I'm allowed to spend a lot of mental bandwidth on because everything else like, I'll get hooked. I'll get sucked into it and it will detract from everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It really does sense. pull away from your true passions or the things that you can excel at and be your contribution to your fellow man. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it really can distract you. It, I think we've had, we have a lot of friends that you wish you could just like grab them by the shoulders and be like, pick something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I've, I mean, I think you, everyone goes through that. You know, it's so, it's just dangerous a thing to not recognize the difference between hobby, passion, interests, and then like your true kind of what you feel like your purpose is. You know, right. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's ordained from the beginning what you're gonna do. You know, I'm just saying when you kind of fall into that pocket of like okay, this is what I'm really good at. And and it's, it's, it's just a scary thing sometimes I, because, like, I love woodworking, mm-hmm. but what I do for a living, I shouldn't be woodworking. You know what I you mean? You could cut like, off a finger. If, and <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like I the interest of all of my hobbies, that's probably the one thing that I was like, I think I need to – because there was a couple close calls, you know, over time <laughs> yeah. where I was like, I think I need to not love this so much. Right. I think I could get good at it and I really like it, but I could be a pretty crappy carpenter um, or I could be a good musician with only four <laughs> fingers, you know? Yeah. So it's like I can't it worth have to the make that off? decision. 
And probably not. You know, I mean, it's same. You go same route. I can go buy a table that looks better and costs half of what it cost me to build right. the table and the time. You know, so it's like I realize that people have those strengths, and I want them to be good at it. And it kind of helps everybody when they're good at it. You know. Just, yeah, I, don't know. I read this. I read this book uh, last year, and I can't remember who the author is, so I would botch it if I tried to guess. But the book was called "Talent Is Not Enough," and it talked about you see those people from early on in their life do these things that make them seem like a prodigy, right? So you have people like Joe Bonamassa, who just incredible guitar player, just from early on and his entire life. You know that's you can just, you look at him and you tell, you know, you can tell that's what he was made to do. And you see these Mm -hmm. people compete at these high level sports or you see, you know, I was listening to uh, an interview about Mike Tyson getting back into the ring for a, you know, for a, a fundraiser and picking up boxing again after all these years, after all these titles he's won, after everything he's done and he still has that, that passion behind him still but he's now to a place where he's trying to excel on the mental side of you know just because he was talented and he had all these these titles won and he's competed and done all these things Mm -hmm. he's now to a place where he has to surpass even that and look past where the talent has taken him and and just put in the work and put in the time but and maybe he's not the best example because, you know, part of that's also age and just your body mm-hmm. taking a beating over the years. But you get, that's I feel like you get to a point where you have to really excel past just your natural giftings. That's pretty incredible for someone that age and to have done everything that he's done to be thinking about that, considering that, you know. Yeah, just to like pick it back up and just say, you know. Come out like I need to focus on my mental health and my right. my knowledge, and it's like wow, that's that's half the it, battle. Especially that's what I was talking about. Is like you can be really good at that one thing, but I guess like with what you just said, the flip side of that would be is that when you are no longer physically capable of doing that anymore, um, what do you have left? You know, are you well rounded, <laughs> or are you? Or are you like all a trades master of none? A has been, you know, right. that's really scary to think about. Like, man, I could just tour all over and make all the music I want, and then I turn seventy and I get, you know, uh, arthritis or something, or you know, uh, my voice gives out, and it's like, okay, who am I then? Mm. Like, can I? Could I go live in a cabin and do some fishing? And, no, and I've always wanted to be good at it, but I'm 75 now, so can I even pull a string back on a bow? Right. You know, after all the beer and the burgers and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of, that's kind of a scary thought too. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could make that argument that being well-rounded is good. It's just, I think when it comes down to like hours and hours of pouring time into something that won't accumulate or it won't become something very valuable in your life. This could all be argued because you can say, what's that saying? Time you enjoyed 
wasting was not wasted time is another thing. Like if you had a good, if you had a great time watching movies, yeah. Like if you watched an entire, I mean, I can honestly say watching Breaking Bad or whatever on Netflix has probably mentally changed me or at least my mood for the next day or something like that. You know, I'm, you can go there too. I mean, we're getting into the, I'm getting into the weeds. With but is it, that? But I mean, I, just, I don't think that's true on days that you've spent your entire existence doing meaningless stuff. I have done like, that. Yeah, for like a short period of time, though. But if all you did yeah, was wake right, up and wake up and play video games or wake up and watch oh, TV, yeah. I, I, well, I think eventually you um, you would just learn to like hate it. Anthony Bourdain said, he has that quote where he said, there's this guy in me that every day just wants to wake up and watch movies and and smoke weed. And every morning I go to war with that guy. Mm. Like, I have to decide. And I don't think everybody's like that. I don't think you guys are like that. But I'm probably like that. Like, I got to wake up and be like, no... You actually have to get a lot done today. You could just play video games or watch movies for the whole day, but maybe that means you're not rested, though, bro. Maybe you're yeah. not working from a place of probably because you get a lot me. of shit. Help, help me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this became a therapy session yeah. for me. Hey, man, I struggle with that too. It's not you're not alone in yeah, that. Yeah, I I'm the same way. Always at war with myself. I don't. I really like those days when I can finally take it for myself where mm. I do nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I've been trying to eat well and all week, and then on a Saturday night I'm like, I'm going to make nachos at midnight. Yeah. And, you know. I, soul food. Yeah, you got to, like, allow like yourself that to. I f- Man, I feel like we live in a world right now where there's this guilt attached to treating yourself once in a while. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this sort of, I don't know. I feel like you look around on Instagram or whatever and and you see these people that are talking about like self-care and just like doing an hour a day doing something for themselves and you're like, geez, they're wasting time. (laughs) Like, what are they even doing with their life? They're not. And then you're sitting there and you're like, well, shit, I'm the one scrolling through on Instagram. Yeah, I've been on Instagram for an hour. How long have I been on here? (laughs) Yeah. So then you catch yourself and you're like, well, guess I got to work on this. Yeah. But yeah, there's this weird attachment to that. And I, I kind of struggle with that. I mean, once in a while I still do. It's like, I feel guilty. Kind of like you guys mentioned, like Jake, you mentioned having that ability to like say, no, this is my time. Mm. And you value your time. I think you have to get to that place with something in your day. Otherwise you will feel like you're just kind of spinning circles and wondering what the hell is it even for? Right. Well, it's been a good chat, boys. Yeah. Speaking of routines, mm-hmm. gotta get up early, and you know, you know, I don't really know what I'm gonna do, but <laughs> I just know I should get up early. Well, I do know that I look forward to doing this. Yeah, it's kind of like my midweek. I have enjoyed me up. have enjoyed this routine so far. Uh, hopefully, all of you have as well. Mm-hmm. Feel free to uh, like, comment, rate, and subscribe to all the things if you haven't already, and. Uh, yeah, share share this similar vein podcast with a friend of yours if if you're into into it. I appreciate you guys.